You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. Welcome to Dental Talk. This is Dr. Phil Klein. So you've been working for a big dental support organization for the past five years, and you're thinking about making changes to your career path. Who better to tell us our options than our guest, Dr. Todd Snyder? Dr. Snyder is a popular speaker on VivaLearning.com, a cosmetic dentist, author, international lecturer, researcher, and instructor at various teaching facilities. Before we get started, I would like to thank our sponsor, GC America. GC is a leader in dental materials and most recently introduced two exceptional products, Equia Forte HT, which is a bulk fill glass hybrid long-term restorative system, and Fuji Sem Evolve, which is a radiopaque resin reinforced glass onomer cement. We thank GC for their support for this podcast. Dr. Snyder, it's a pleasure to have you on Dental Talk. Oh, thanks for having me, Phil. Appreciate it. Always nice talking to you. So there are thousands of dentists and staff out there that are currently employed by various DSOs, uh, dental service organizations is what that stands for, throughout the United States and even Canada. Um, This is a corporate entity, for those that are not familiar with DSOs, that own and operate multiple dental offices, many of which at one time were solo practices. Um, They usually pay what I hear is, is probably... Uh, whatever the top one times revenue of the of the practice, and then they put these practices together into a corporate entity. And some of these DSOs are uh, they own five offices, or some own five hundred or more. So, just as a you know that is an introduction. My first question to Dr. Snyder is: So, assuming a dentist has worked for a DSO for five years and is interested in changing their career path, what are some of the options a dentist may have? Well, that's a loaded question. <laughs> so I, I guess I don't know uh, enough about the contracts because every DSO is going to be different. But what I would say is if you've been in a DSO for five years, think about who you became during those five years. Uh, because you picked up skill sets and habits from where you've worked as far as how you treatment plan, how you treat patients, the materials you use. The whole approach to dentistry has, whether you realize it or not, little bits every day have been dropped into you as a, as a person such that you practice a certain way because of that. So five years, you're going to come out with either some pretty good habits or some very bad habits in my mind. So when you come out, you've got options to go build an office, buy an office, specialize with someone. You know, you have the same pretty much opportunities you had coming out of dental school, but you, you probably have seen more and know more. You're faster at your skill. And if you were able to learn more about the business model of DSOs, then I think oftentimes you will typically take those on in your practice and you'll try to own as many practices as possible. Now, granted, I know people that came out of DSOs after a couple of years and opened their own from scratch kind of thing and, and didn't do the DSO model because they were disenchanted from the place they had worked. Um, but I would just be careful how much time you spend putting down roots in a particular place because of what that may do for your habits over your career. But by all means, you have all the same options available as you would coming out of school. The sky's the limit. You can pick where you want to be and do what you want to do. Are you seeing, uh, with more DSOs forming in the United States uh, and Canada, are you seeing dentists in your training program that are coming to you looking for guidance as far as what the next step is? Definitely. Yeah, it's interesting because I hear a lot of them talking about, well, they needed to make the money, and so that was how they made the money. And, you know, you never hear the good things in life, right? You always hear people talk about the bad things. But, you know, I hear a lot of them talking about what they had to do inside the DSOs. And so, I'm, you know, I'm there to basically say, hey, look, it doesn't have to be that way. You're your own man. You can do whatever you want going forward. Let's let's talk about it. 
And then there's others that say, hey, you know, DSO is going great. I'm, I'm in one. I own one. And I want some skill sets that I can take back to help the DSO grow and thrive. So, again, there's multiple ways to approach it. And we kind of handle all of those inside of our programs in that we don't give you all the answers. We help guide you to the answers you're looking for with the right tools and skill sets to master those. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that, that's an absolute great way to teach. What do you suggest are the first things a dentist should do when looking to leave a DSO and start their own practice? I'm a big contractual person as far as business relationships because of all my businesses. So the first thing I would say is get an attorney involved. And most are like, well, you know, that's going to cost me money. Yes, spend the money because it'll cost you more if you make a mistake in life. So get an attorney to go ahead and look at your contract and see what's truly there, what you can and can't do. If you're going to stay in the area or leave and whatnot, just find out what that is so you have, you know, a knowledge of where you're going. Um, so that'd be the first thing I do. And the second thing I would do is, if I'm thinking about DS, leaving a DSO and I'm getting close, then that's the time I want to use some, again, some weekends, some vacation to start figuring out where I want to go. You know, you got to have a plan before you leave. You don't want to just leave and go, okay, what am I going to do? Where am I going to get my next paycheck? So obviously thinking about where you want to live, what you want to you know, accomplish in life and how that business is going to support the lifestyle you want, not that your lifestyle is dictated by your business. In a previous podcast, you mentioned COVID as an opportunity for, for dentists, especially starting their own practice. Is that causing uh, an issue with starting your own practice during this time just for any reason, or is it just business as usual? In my mind, it's business as usual. There's always going to be problems in the world, no matter what it is. And so I see right now as an opportunity because most of the limitations that we put upon ourselves as dentists, you can remove right now and blame it on COVID. So you have an out. You, you can, instead of just saying, oh, this is my the way I'm running my business and people may go, well, we're not interested in that. You can say, well, I have to run it this way because of COVID. So I'm blaming it on them. So now I don't look like the bad guy. Uh, so I think right now is a great time to be building something, but I would also not build a Taj Mahal. I would build something small with low overhead with literally one or two operatories with room for expansion inside my office. Mm -hmm. Do you suggest owning the, the real estate? Is that something you encourage dentists to do that are looking to set up their own thing or renting? As a, as a business owner, you always want to make you know, savvy decisions on financials for the rest of your life because you can either be an employee of your business digging a hole every day, or you can own the business, own the corporation, and own the footprint, the building. And at some point, if you want to bow out earlier and get an associate or someone, you still have a lot of you know, assets there, and those assets keep appreciating each year. And those become a sellable item later in life that other people are potentially paying for. So by all means, if you can own the real estate, always grab the real estate. So when you started your practice, it, it was in Southern California. When you when you came out of dental school, you, you you were in debt and you started your own thing. You said you were living on a sailboat, which is very interesting. Um, that was a previous podcast. So don't miss that one, folks. Did you buy your uh, office, the, the actual building, or did you rent? Uh, so I'm still leasing to this day. Unfortunately, here in Southern California, it's hard to come by real estate or especially medical quality real estate. So, yeah, I've been leasing for 20 years. You know, you're an example of a very successful dentist slash businessman. So that you're an example of someone who did not purchase the real estate, but did very well with your lease agreement. Definitely. Yeah. And again, it's, it's getting the right people involved to make sure you have a good contract. Don't try and do the contracts on your own. Coming from dental school, you know, we talked about this. The dental graduate has virtually no training in running their own dental business, right? I mean, how do they learn how to be successful in opening their own dental practice? Besides getting an attorney, how do they learn the nuances of running a business? And I know you teach that. You have a, 
the, and your reputation of your training program is amazing. We, I've heard such good things about it. That's why we wanted you on the show. Um, what are some of the ways besides taking your training program, uh, which probably they should, that they could learn about running a business just in general? Well, I, you know, obviously the, the best way to do it is to find a mentor, a mentor with similar values and philosophies. You know, I had one in dental school that, that gave me a lot of concepts and ideas, not necessarily towards business, but just um, concepts and ideas towards dentistry that I then moved into finding some mentors in business that helped me with that aspect. So I would say, yeah, coming out of dental school, you still need to learn, you know, a little more on dentistry, obviously. And that's where we tend to spend too much of our time is focusing on delivering a product when really it's no go venture out into the business world and start learning different aspects of business. And if you happen to be fortunate enough to know a dentist that has done well and you like their business model, see if you can get them to be a mentor because each practice you work in as an associate or DSO, whatever it is, that is truly a mentorship where you're gaining either extremely valuable information to help you across the rest of your career. Or unfortunately, like I said, you know, you may get bad habits and now start doing things for the rest of your career that may potentially put you at risk for lawsuits and worse uh, if you're not careful. So again, picking the right mentors can, you know, exponentially grow you and your business faster or potentially can harm you, uh, you know, if you don't have the right person to help or you're or you're jumping through the same potholes and hurdles that everyone else went through and you're not getting there any faster than anyone else. So why wouldn't you get someone to help you? That's what business leaders do. Absolutely. You want to learn from someone else's mistake uh, and their wisdom without a doubt. Um, I wanted to ask you this question about insurance. Someone coming out of a DSO, they've been there five years, they decide they want to go on their own. You know, they're looking to build their practice because, you know, they need to start making some money and paying the bills. And, you know, they're attracted to the fact that if they sign up for these plans, we're going to make sure you have X number of patients coming to you because, you know, all these businesses are a part of this plan. And you do become somewhat, you know, um, I wouldn't say held hostage to their fee schedule, but in some ways you are held hostage to, to their You can say that. You are held hostage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm trying to be nice about it. But but do you see the, the conundrum they're in? Because they, they want to build the, the patient flow. You know, patients are calling up saying, hey, you know, Dr. Snyder, I need to have this root canal. Do you accept this plan? You say no. And so you're turning patients away when you have an empty chair. So how do you approach that? Well, see, this is the, the number one problem in dentistry is because they don't have the conversational skill set to to show a patient why it is they need to move forward with treatment, then the only thing you can fall back on is the cost. And the patient perceives every dentist as being the same. If they appear the same and don't do anything differently, then it all boils down to the price point. And so the biggest thing we teach in dentistry is to A, not limit yourself because the majority of people say you can't do something. You know, you can't run a business without the dental insurance. You You can't do this or that, or the next thing. And yet everyone that says this has never tried. And so they're just, they're just selling this bag of goods, but they've never tried for themselves because they want you to stay comfortable where they're comfortable. They don't want to see you potentially be successful. And they never broke through that, you know, that ceiling and went to find out for themselves, which is unfortunate. And they talk about this in, in all businesses, not just dentistry, but I can tell you, there are patients out there that you would think that don't have any money and won't be able to afford it. And you've instantly biased your opinion on how you're going to talk to them and you've biased your ability to do well in business. And you can see it all the time. People that are driving around in nice, expensive cars and shoes, and yet they claim they can't afford something. They can. You just didn't get them to see the value in it and to get them emotionally connected as to why it needs to be done and how that escalates or, or cascades throughout the rest of their life or day or month or whatever based on family, based on health, based on you know, money, 
business. There's so many things. It's really, you're, you're limiting yourself if all you see is, I can't get patients because I'm not on insurance. It, there's a bigger world that I can tell you, we get people to change all the time. And people that come into our programs are amazed at how quickly they start to learn some simple concepts and instantly be like, I don't need these insurance companies anymore, or I can start cutting some of them slowly over time. And it's like, yeah, you see how easy it is? They're like, yeah, but all my friends said I couldn't do it. You can, you can do it. This is great information for our listeners. I hope they get inspired by some of the things you're saying, Dr. Snyder. We really appreciate your time on this podcast, and we uh, will have you on another one. There's an interesting one we just decided to do coming up, building a dental practice with harmony, happiness, and high profits. So that's coming up on VivaLearning.com. We're also available on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. We're one of the fastest growing dental podcast shows in America. Thank you very much for your attention. Thank you, Dr. Snyder. And uh, again, visit Dr. Snyder at www.legion.dentist. And we thank our sponsor, GC America, and their special products, Equia Forte HT and Fujisem Evolve. For more information, visit gcamerica.com. Dr. Snyder, we'll see you on the next one. Thanks so much, Bill.